In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. People are going to have a hard time thinking you want them in heaven if you've never had them to your house. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you in to the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here, as you heard, with our producer co-host, and good friend Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing wonderful. Hey, man, I'm really excited about today's guest, man. This guy has been working with men in ministry since 1986. He was he's does a lot of work has has done a lot of work with athletes. He himself has pl- played in the NFL as an offensive lineman, my favorite position, for nine years uh, in the USFL, CFL, NFL. Man, I'm really excited. This guy's got some great stuff to bring to the table, and man, and he is bigger than me and you. <laughs> like, like, he like, is like he's like six five or something. Right. So I'm excited about this guy. So hang on, guys. You're going to be in for a wild ride. So hey, you got a man word for me today? I do. I'm going to guess it. Okay. Good luck. I know. There's Chuck. no way. There's no way I'm going to guess this one. <laughs> I'm going to go hey, with. It's not tackle. Just I'm so going to go know. with apologetics. No, I wouldn't even <laughs> oh, to say. Come what on. That. No. Uh. Uh-uh. No. Okay. I, I'm going with this is a man word. Offense. Oh, uh, you've done Never, that one before. No, no, no I no, haven't. Okay, but don't live a life playing defense. But this goes. Man, with don't my... tell the Patriots that <laughs> <laughs> they just got a ring for that. This okay. goes with my word for my life for this year. It's initiate. Yeah, and yeah. so when we live in uh, offense, we're going out there to make stuff happen and not wait for yeah. it to happen to us. I've never understood uh, a team that plays great defensive football, and at the end of the day, game, they go to a prevent. It almost feels like the WWE sometimes. <laughs> it's like you beat this team up and you go to prevent and you lose the game because you go to prevent defense. Just play your offensive style of defense and come after the guys. I mean, yeah. the Patriots just shut down the Rams using a defense. It was an offense. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. So, And I think in our own lives, we don't want to play on the defense. We want to play on the offense. We had a pastor uh, called in who was very upset about some things that we had said that, that men don't sit there and – and hold their hands back and play defense. They don't resist. They move forward. They press into. And, uh, you know, that's my thing. We Men are wired to fight, to press in, to conquer. We're not wired to dig our feet in and defend. That's a last-ditch effort. And so I, there is a season for that. I get it. But 
but we need to press into life and and initiate life and take it on the offensive. I just agree with that 100. percent It's a so great word. That's thank, really good. Thank so you for bringing that. Thank you for being so smart. Hey, do you yeah. have a review for me today? <laughs> I do. Any iTunes review? I do. Matt Barnes sent us one. Matt in. Barnes. He was yeah. in my youth group. Matt D. Matt D. That's what Matt it says. D. Matt D. Barnes. Yeah, and, uh, he was in my youth group. He's like know, probably 35 years old now. But when he was in youth group, no matter what problem he had, had nothing. To, this right here is he has got three kids. Yeah, and he is just in the had middle. One. Uh, they yeah. just had one. Yeah, and uh, they're in the middle of the stress bubble right now. And uh, yeah, so I'll tell you what, that guy's a great guy. His parents, when he was 16, they did a rite of passage with him from Robert Lewis's book, Raising a Modern Day Night. And because of that, I did that with all my kids. Nice. And so great family, Christian grandparents, Christian parents, all the siblings are Christian, just a great family. So Matt, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'm yeah. assuming it's the same Matt Barnes. It, I would assume, too. <laughs> so, some other random guy from Mississippi or something. <laughs> yeah. So Anyway, well, that's good, man. I'm excited about that. So, hey, um, excited about today's guest. I talked to you guys about him earlier in the show. So I'm going to bring him on a second, but I'm going to introduce to you guys my friend Jeff Hart. He's 65 years old. He lives up here in the northern part of Oregon and Canby. He's been married to his wife, Geneva, for 43 years. <laughs> so, hey, Jeff, uh, from 1971 to 1974, played at Oregon State, and he's on the all-century team. So that's pretty, pretty impressive. <laughs> he went from there into professional football, where from 1975 to 1984, he played offensive lineman in the USFL, CFL, CFL and the NFL and was NFL Man of the Year finalist when he was playing for the Baltimore Baltimore Colts. He also played with the Rams and the Saints? No, 49ers and the Saints. 49ers and Saints. Okay, my bad. I really apologize because <laughs> the Rams and 49ers hated each other back then, So and maybe still do. So, so from 1986 until now, he's been in full-time ministry with F- FCA, and currently he's the Portland Area Director with Search Ministries. So I want to bring on my friend Jeff Hart. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. This is great. He's got a great radio So voice. I got a question. Did Joe Montana look up to you when he was a kid? <laughs> Just to tell you how old I am, I, I was pre-Joe <laughs> Montana and pre-Steve Young. Now, I played with Steve Young when he first came in the league uh, with the USFL, with the LA Express. You were playing and, ball with him in the USFL? Yes, yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, and he was um, he was phenomenal athlete and phenomenal kid and uh uh it was we had a lot of good times together yeah yeah and we got uh, you know i got to see a quarterback that uh you know is deserved to be in the in the hall of fame like he is so yeah, that's really mm-hmm. cool man so when you played what were your stats how big were you uh the, the most i was uh, i was six five and the most i weighed was 275 and with 10 percent body fat so I was. That's impressive. I, I was. I was. I. I didn't have a gut. Yeah. So I was. Well, know. that was kind of normal back then. Oh I yeah. Had, when I had mm-hmm. my knee surgery, the guy in the bed next to me was Randy Cross. Oh yeah. And I Randy, played with Randy. Okay, so Randy was a center for the Niners, yeah. I think, and mm-hmm. he moved around a little bit. But at the time, he was a 265 pounder, and mm-hmm. I think he was. He wasn't super tall, six three, yeah, six four. Yeah. But that smaller, quicker, stronger, leaner back mm-hmm. was, that was mm-hmm. that. That was the guy. But now yeah. they're these three fifty guys. They're giants. Yeah, and you know everything has improved. The uh, I mean, when I was playing, you know, even in college now, they have a full time nutritionist, and we were, uh, you know, we we had training table only during the football season. They have it now. 
um, year-round, and they have specific wherever a person is. It could be an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, or a kicker, whatever. They have a certain nutrition tr- nutritional diet for each each individual. Well, and then I, I played college football. I was done it by eight, ni- uh, 1988, but. Mm-hmm. I know when I was playing ball, I'm sure when you were playing ball, it was all about the bench press. How much you bench? How much you mm-hmm. squat? How much you clean? <laughs> right. Nowadays, right. it's all about functional movement. I don't, do yeah. they care about bench at all, or is it more about reps? Uh, it's more about reps. Yeah. It's Yeah, yeah it's endurance. And, uh, you know, when I played, it was, hey, how much can you squat? How much can you clean? How much can you, you know, bench? But, you know, what, how fast are you in the 40? And I, you know, as an offensive lineman, I said, man, if I have to be fast in the 40, <laughs> we're in trouble. I said, I, I'm saying, you need to hand me the ball and pay me more money. Yeah, <laughs> as a running back. But um, our biggest thing was what we could do in the twenty, and then what yeah. we could do, um, you know, just explosion off the ball. You yeah, know, you know, the first first three to five steps. And and when you were playing ball, that was it was more uh, hole blocking. And now we're doing a lot of zone blocking. Correct. Where the help me out here because I'm not a professional athlete, mm-hmm. never have been. It seems like the the run blocking is more lateral instead of upfield. Or is that has it? Have you seen a difference yeah, in line I, blocking? I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the careers are lasting a lot longer the way they block yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. So, but um, yeah, we we would usually do. We would have many times when we're one on one, you know, and we're driving straight ahead, and we're just you know it's uno uno, and here you yeah, know, run through. Now we you see how the lines are blocking. Yeah, you know, in a zone, and hopefully, you know, the flow there, you know, you you kind of, whoever comes in your zone, you know, you still have blocking rules and stuff like that. And then that gives a back either to go to the hole or he can cut back. So we'll see, you see a lot of that. You you see that that in every line. And that inside zone run, like 70% of those runs are designed, they want the cutback. Yeah. They want that backer to not hit weak side A and to Mm -hmm. over pursue. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting how the game has changed. So, but hey, I'm excited to have you on here. We're going to throw you into something that we call our rapid fire round. Okay. Are you ready for this? Uh, I think so. Okay. So I was thinking about this for you because we've just we're just getting to know each other, mm-hmm. and uh, t- and we're here face to face. A lot of our guys call in, but you're a local guy, so I appreciate mm-hmm. you coming down. I'm going to use the word association around with you. So I'm going to give you words, and I want you to tell me the first thing that pops in your head. No, playing in the NFL, I knew you'd be a fast mental reactor. Yeah. So what's the first thing that pops in your head, and why? Okay. Okay. So here we go. You ready? Yep. I've, I've picked words I think that you'll connect with on a level. So the first word is questions. Questions, apologetics. Okay. And, and uh, questions that people have about um, life and God, religion, and stuff like that. Okay, awesome. So what is apologetics? Right? Apologetics is a, a fancy word. of It's a Greek word meaning apologia, which means give a defense. It doesn't mean I'm apologizing like I'm sorry for something. It means you give a defense um, and uh, of like it's an attorney. You give a defense of the question or the worldview that you have, and you know that's and and you're able to explain it and articulate it to someone who's asking. Okay, in First Peter three fifteen, 15. I think it is. It mm-hmm. says, uh, "Be prepared in season now, seen to give a defense for the hope that lies within you." I think that's the accurate. Yeah. Co- yeah. Trend. Okay. Is that word? Mm-hmm. Is that word the word apologia? Yeah. yeah. Always. Really. Always be ready I didn't to give know that. a defense. For the hope that is in you, um, but it also says, and, and it says always. So that's not something that's you know 
that's a command to always give a defense. It's not a suggestion. And so that is a command, and God is asking. And whenever God gives us a command, it's not it's it's for the benefit of the kingdom and the benefit for us and the person that's that's uh, on the other side. And so uh, and so, it, but it also says, be ready to give a defense, but do this with gentleness, you know, with yeah. gentleness and respect. So. It doesn't mean, you know, like you're holding up signs and stuff like that and everything. It's it's giving a defense. Always be ready to give a defense to those who ask. So there's plenty of people who will ask, but the tendency is sometimes is that we will we will vomit, so to speak, uh, on them with uh, with not the respect. That's really that's really impressive. I used to I was a Youth for Christ full time oh, yeah. staff. Yeah. For five years, I got saved in Youth for Christ. Mm-hmm. I was trained in Youth for Christ, and our training d- involved Campus Crusade for Christ, right. four spiritual laws, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bright, uh, uh, Vonda, and uh, Bill, 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 Bill Bright. Thank Bill you. Bright. And uh, so I, I got trained in that, and so it was more of an aggressive approach. Mm-hmm. And what I found is is that was my closer. Mm-hmm. What worked a lot better was, was getting people to ask the first mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. When they'd ask the first question, so I began to throw lures out to get them to ask mm-hmm. so that it was non-threatening and I was just helping them. Yes. And so that's really good, man. So the next question, next word, next word, Bible. Bible, reliable, trustworthy, accurate, <laughs> solid. Yep, that's good, man. I was, if you said anything else, <laughs> yeah. we'd be praying and it'd be over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, here's one for you. And this is going to take you back uh, back to your uh, NFL days and uh, in football. The word is pain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Still have it. Just had a shoulder replaced. Got to get a knee replaced and oh, both hips man. replaced. So um, yeah, it's it's a little sore in the morning and it's a little sore if I'm just kind of lounging and relaxing. Yeah, but once I get the juices going, I'm okay. I still work out. I just can't lift like I used to, which is fine. Uh, but the cardio is a big deal, you know, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. why I'm able to stay somewhat slim and somewhat fit. But uh, you know, it's not like it used to be. <laughs> well, you look good. Are you three hundred? I'm three hundred. I'm uh, I'm two ninety. Okay. I yeah. Was, I was thinking yeah. you didn't seem three hundred, but you're wearing that flannel, so mm-hmm. I thought maybe mm-hmm. you're close, but two ninety. Mm-hmm. So yeah, two ninety. So hey, next word is team. Team commitment unity. Need it. Uh, you know, if you don't have a team, you know, the old thing. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, there's no I in team. Well, there is an I. It's there. in the a hole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta cut that part out. But oh, yeah. there, have you ever heard of that? No. That'll go off the podcast. I couldn't help oh, it. I, I've never. Heard I'm that. sorry. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody post the thing. There yeah. is an I. It's in the a hole, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We're gonna pull that. Won't be in the podcast. Oh, that won't, okay. Right, <laughs> oh right. no. Okay. No, no. I'd get I'd get some hate mail for that. Yeah. yeah. But I figured that was just for that you. would be good. So when That's you good say, locker you go, hey, I had a guy tell me there is an INT, yeah. it's probably the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, okay, so we'll cut that out, Dale. So, okay, the next word is fight. Fight, oh, enduring. It's uh, it's evident. It's not, you know, you, it's and it's painful, and it is a challenge, and it is victorious. So... And the reason I say that is that uh, it is a fight, uh, the ministry that we have, the, or that we all have uh, as believers, and uh, that you will get knocked down, 
you will be persecuted. You, you will be made fun of. You will be ridiculed. Uh, but take heart, I have overcome the world, is yeah. what Jesus says. Yeah. yeah. So when Jesus says, you will have tribulation, you will have fights, you know, and it says, fight the good fight, okay, we're, it, it's inevitable, okay? Christians can't be in the background, you know, sitting on their hands and whining. Christ never designed us to be a bunch of whiners, but winners. Yeah. And now, so I, you know, and he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So there's victory there. There's victory. Yeah. How would you, how would you differentiate the tension between like a physical fight and a spiritual fight? Like when we read about fighting in scripture, how would you argue that that is different than a physical fight? Because a lot of guys will read that and say, mm-hmm. You know, we need to physically engage and, you know, uh, and be ready to physically fight, which I find that as I get older in America, that's a rarity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How would you differentiate between those two? Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, physical fight is, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> you're going to have pain, you're going to have all that. But in our, our, in our time, I think now with the spiritual fight, it's going to be, uh, where's my integrity? Where's my, uh, where's my stand? Where's my conviction? Yeah. Uh, you know, am I, am I going to, you know, go with the crowd? Am I going to fold my tent, so to speak? Yeah. Because, you know, the Bible is very clear that uh, we definitely will be persecuted. We're definitely... We're definitely going to be uh, in a fight, um, but it also says you know you can't fight this fight on your own. Yeah, you know, so you need to have the the spirit of God, and you need to have the people. You need to surround yourself with that. But it's kind of like getting in the huddle. You know, when you're in the huddle, you have what thirty seconds, but in that huddle, huddle, it's a safe place. You know, as as your team, you got each other there, and so what you want to do is you receive the play, okay? Okay, now you have to go execute the play. Mm-hmm. You break the huddle and you go. And as an offensive, as an offensive player, you want to progress. You want to move the ball down the field, okay? You don't want a quarterback sacked. You don't want the play to be stuffed. You know, you don't want to tackle for a loss. You know, you don't want an incomplete pass. You want you want to make progress. Well, sometimes people that are in churches, the Christians, that's our huddle. Yeah. Okay? You get the play. Okay, now it's time to execute the play. Well, many Christians don't execute the play because they're fearful. Okay? They're, they, they're not trusting. They're, they don't feel confident. Well, you can't be in the field of play in the NFL and not have confidence and not be ready to go out there and execute the play. If you stay in the huddle too long, there's these guys in striped shirts with yellow handkerchiefs. And you don't progress, make progress, you retreat. Mm -hmm. You have penalties. And so God is saying, hey, let's break the huddle. Well, I'm not confident. Well, let's get confident. Okay, how do you get confident? You study. You know, what we do that week prior to the game is hours and hours of film study, hours and hours of practice, 
and um, communication meetings and stuff like that. So you have to be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you, but do this with gentleness and respect. And that's what we have to do in the huddle. When we get that huddle, we got to know how to execute. And we, and oftentimes when we go out there, I've had every finger in my on both hands jammed or broken or dislocated. You know, there's going to be pain. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, you can ask anybody this, if anybody's been in any kind of sport, doesn't matter what level, that you may have a lot of pain and stuff like that, but once you score, you know, it makes it go away. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, well, that's my goal. That's my mission. I want to score, you know. And, um, and so I think if, if the church would start thinking more like, I want to progress, mm-hmm. I want to do this, you're going to see. Because out there, out there, Jim, there are so many people that have questions about God and religions. There's, there's objections or, or blockades or barriers that they're facing and uh, you know who else better to answer that than those who who are believers and uh, will will stay solid in their faith? Yeah, yeah, I, I and continue agree. to grow. Yeah. I agree, one hundred percent. You said that we don't execute because we are fearful, and then mm. you said we need the confidence. So mm. I think you and I would both agree that there is a at least initially in any game there's a fear element, like. There's a butterflies. There's mm-hmm. there is a fear of am I good enough? Can I take this guy? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a long night for me? There is a fear, but there is a confidence that comes as well. How do those two balance out? Like how does a guy? I mean, in our fear, we experience fear, but but fear is a response. So if yeah. we act and move forward, we're we're acting positively with our fear. Mm-hmm. How do, how how should a man interact with his fear? Okay, that's awesome. And and what what it did is that. Would it help me? Let, let me just say on the athletic arena, the uh, okay. I have an opponent. I know this opponent's good. I know this opponent um, is going to do everything he can to destroy, you know, to get to the quarterback. Uh, and so I would study. What makes me confident is studying and learning. I can't just oh well, just show up on the game day. I have to know what that guy does. And so I, I, you know, you take the time to study and learn and, and look at the characteristics and what he likes to do, when he likes to do it. But I also, I got to know my weaknesses, you know, not just his strengths, but my weaknesses. Cause he's looking at the same, or he's looking at film at me and he's going to say, how can I attack this guy? What does he do strong? And, and so what I do is to understand, first of all, I know what plays we're going to run. I know all the different options that we can run and variables. I know what he likes to do in these, the, my opponent, what he likes to do in these things. I have all that down. And so I have that knowledge. And so when I'm going out to the game, yeah, I'm going, okay, okay. And there's that excitement, anticipation. Yeah, there's butterflies. Just That's just it until you get the first playoff, and then you're fine. You so know? so. I'm going to divert a little bit because I'm just really curious about something. From a guy who played nine or ten seasons in NFL. Eleven. Eleven. Oh, I yeah, get the 11, math wrong. Yeah, oh. yeah. Eleven seasons in professional football as an offensive lineman. How do you assess what the Patriots did to the Rams in the Super Bowl, take the highest scoring offense in the NFL and just shut them down to three points? What did they do 
to shut the Rams down because the offensive line had a total breakdown that whole game, and mm-hmm. it was a strategic thing on the Patriots' part, I think. But, I mean, what do you think? You're the guy who would be in those trenches. What happened, from your opinion? Well, there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Okay, so um, <clears throat> first of all, you have a lot of experience um, with the New England. Uh, you have a lot of veterans that have been there before. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you got a rookie coach or a young coach. You got a young team with the Rams. You have a very talented team. Well, what I saw, I could tell. I could tell almost in the first quarter, the first half. Um, I was watching the guys on the sideline. I was looking at their face. I go, "This is a Super Bowl," and it looked like they didn't have the passion. Yeah, it looks like okay, they're they're only down by three. You know, uh, come on, guys. You know, yeah, but I think, you know, they just they didn't realize they they weren't prepared or something mentally. I don't know. Oh, I, yeah, it was just. And, and then yeah. you know, you know, you got Brady, and you got Kronk, you got Belichick, you got you got a calling all these guys. Now, I, are the Rams gonna you know be there? Yeah, they're gonna be there again with yeah. all their talent. You know, um, sure they can be. Uh, so, I just think. Uh, there, there was a lot of experience. Okay. And with that experience in big and games confidence. comes confidence. Which you were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's good. Hey, why don't you take a few minutes and tell us your story, man. Tell us uh, you know, you know, a little bit more about your personal life, things make you tick, your hobbies, anything mm-hmm. you'd like to oh, share. Yeah. Our guys just want to get to know you. Hey, guys, i tell you what I love to do. And I am so stoked that I'm married to a woman who loves to do it, too, and that's we love to hunt. <laughs> And we, we elk hunt. Uh, my wife killed a three-point bull this year, uh, and it was just – and she helps me. She helps pack it out. She helps me do everything. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's you know – and she cooks the meals, so that's cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so, um, so I love hunting and camping. We do that. We tailgate. Uh, we, we're beaver fans, and we have season tickets, and we uh, – tailgate we love doing that with friends and um new friends and stuff like that so i love riding my motorcycle uh, i'm i just love it uh, i've got eighty thousand miles on my bike and uh, wow plan a trip with my son uh, who lives in north dakota so we're going to go on a trip in august so i just love that kind of stuff and being with the family and the grandkids is just beyond explanation so and and then uh, you know I'm doing this ministry. I've been in the ministry with Search Ministries for 26 years. I've been in uh, vocational ministry for 37, and uh, it's that's what I you know that's kind of what makes me tick. And uh, and just engaging with people uh, and because I'm a guy who, when I was growing up. Um, I believed that there was a God, but I didn't believe in God or trust God, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And I had a lot of questions. You know, I had a lot of questions. And um, and I think everybody that I've come in contact with has questions, that, you know, that uh, that they want answered you know, are their answers. And so, so that helped me. That really helped me um, uh, when I was able to get those questions answered. Oh. And it wasn't wasn't pushed on me. It was just something I would ask, and sometimes I was serious about it. Sometimes I was just trying to mess with somebody. So you're talking about questions, and mm-hmm. then earlier before the podcast, you said there are 12 questions mm-hmm. that every unchurched person asks. So our guys are driving to work. They're mm-hmm. going and working with buddies that maybe don't know the Lord or mm-hmm. are 
maybe they say they're Christians, they're not living it. What are some of the like main questions that that people are asking? Oh, that's a great, great question. <laughs> well, there's basically 12 of them, and some of them come from real broad to to specific questions about Christianity, and then and then clarification questions of the gospel. So people can be in every, you know, they could be all over the map. And so I'd say, you know, the thing about God, is there a God? Uh, and out of that comes evolution. How do you, you know, what is evolution? And so that's important to understand, is there a God? And, uh, or did we just come from, you know, a bunch of goo, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, I call it from the goo to the zoo to you. And uh, so <laughs> how, you know, you know, and, and the science involved in all that. And so, you know, the other big questions is, if there's such a loving God, why is there so much pain and suffering? Yeah. Why did what happened in Canby with that mass murder guy you know, slaughtering people, why does that happen? You know, uh, if isn't God all-powerful? If God's all-powerful, then he can you know, destroy it. Uh, if God's all-knowing, he can prevent it. You know, he can do anything. Uh, he's sovereign. Uh, you know, why does he allow that to happen? That's yeah. a big one. That's a That's big, a big one. question. Yeah. And then the other question comes, you know, people later start saying, okay, well, what about those who've never heard of Christ? You know, what happens to those? What happens to those before Christ came? What happens to those who are mentally incompetent? What about those like if, if babies that are born and then die or the aborted babies or whatever, they have questions like that. You know, what about the Native Americans before any organized religion in the United States or whatever, you know? Uh, and, uh, and then the question is, the other question that comes from that is, is Jesus the only way? You know, uh, Christians tell me that Jesus is the only way. That's awful narrow thinking. And then that ends up, I mean, what's that do to the, to the Muslims? What's that do to the Hindus? What's that do to whatever? And so <clears throat> those are, those are, I mean, those are questions. Those are legitimate. And, you know, like, like we said, you said First Peter 3.15, you're always to be ready to give the answer. Well, if I don't know how to answer, I am going to retreat. And I'm not going to engage. Yeah. Because I am fearful I don't have confidence. What I found, and that's my, you know, I needed to hear these answers. And I didn't just need to have someone kind of get on their high horse and do that, you know. How it worked for me is that my wife was a believer uh, before we were married, of course, and, and, uh, and she would share with me gently. Because I was a football player, as so I was full of myself, you know, um, you know, and I, she knew I had good qualities, she said, but she also knew I was a, you know, a jerk sometimes. So. Wow. Hey, we're going to take a short break, Jeff. Okay. Hear from our sponsor. We're going to come right back. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. Our closed Facebook forum for men, appropriately called Men in the Arena, is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email. We'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. 
It's a study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. Um, so, so you're talking about, you know, be prepared to give a defense. Well, earlier in the podcast, Dale's word was offense. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I'm hearing an instant tension, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a tension here because we need to be ready to give an, a defense Yet we need to be on the offense. So what does that look like? To so I we I recognize we need to be ready to give a defense for our faith. But what does it look like to be on the offense in being ready to give a defense? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> a great question. Well, if I am offensive and I don't have that relationship and I'm not having a strong, you know, I I've done nothing. I've created a barrier uh, instead of um, you know a, a bridge. And so what I want to do is to show respect and gentleness. That gentleness does not mean weak, you know. Totally. Yeah, it means, you know, it's with gentleness and respect. It is a strong word, okay? And uh, it is a bold word. But, you know, for me to just get on the high horse and just start preaching to somebody or, or if they're asking a question and I'm just knocking them down, you know, that's not a very good thing. That's just like, okay, there's another Christian just on his high horse being a jerk. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but when I say a defense is that part of that is engaging. Sometimes the church or some ministries will say, you just got to get out there and pounce on the gospel and, and stuff like that. And, and you know, you, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, you've got to be engaging and listening. And it, it works in anything. That you do when when someone comes and we're getting a bid on windows in our house and and the guy comes in and you just want this this and this you got to do this and you know oh you got to get that taken care of and this 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 that's one way okay well if another guy comes in and, and the quote and the bid is the exact same money but he says hey i i like the way you've got the house painted and and uh i saw little johnny's uh little toy out there that's cool where'd you get that you know and he shows a little Mm -hmm. uh, something else i'm gonna go with that guy because he's listening and he's reflective and he's not being you know just business down to the point you know so now in saying that that means okay giving a defense Okay, now once I have the trust built, I want to share. I don't water down the gospel. You can never water down the gospel. I want to listen. That creates trust. That creates, you know, maybe going from, you know, anguish of the gospel to maybe admiration at least in the person that is visiting with you, because most people, and I was the same way, thought the Christians were just a bunch of, you know, I mean, they're blowhards, you know. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, so I want, in, in hearing it from my wife, it was the same stuff I was hearing from the blowhards, but I wasn't going to buy it from them because, and I had a relationship with this gal. The key is relationship. Yeah. yeah. And I had a trust, 
you know, with her as well. And uh, so I think that's it. And then what what happens with this is it helps me as a as a Christian when I learn how to answer these questions. We we teach in our ministry is that we want you to know the answers to these questions. But with that, we want what is just important, if not more important, is how you answer the questions Mm. with gentleness and respect. So, you know, just ramrodding someone through something is not respectful and not gentle. Well, and you've got to be careful personally because you're 6'5", 300 pounds, and you've got a big, deep voice. And you walk in a room, and if people know you, they know that you're... A tough guy, mm-hmm. you know. You walk in with you got you got a beard, flannel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be you can come across scary, right? So you you of all people understand gentleness, yeah, right? Yeah, and so that's really good. Well, so here's a question that I have. I got questions about questions about questions. That's so, good. So our guys are going to work right now. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna interact with men who uh, I I say men because I really want our men to interact with men. Mm-hmm. I don't think men who are married should interact with women. But so they're gonna right. interact with men. And they're gonna, and they've got these buddies who, let's say, don't know the Lord. How does a man engage? Use that word with these guys they work with. They already have the relationship. Mm-hmm. How do they engage? In other words, coming full circle here, bro. Mm-hmm. What questions can these guys ask their buddies to get their buddies to ask those really important questions they have answers to? So, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. What questions can I ask my buddies and my family members? to engage them in a dialogue where I'm answering their questions? Well, it would depend on how well I engage with them. Do I know their families? Ah. Do I know Do I know uh, maybe some of the things they're going through right now? Just Do I know them more than just work? Yeah. Okay? Or is it just a business relationship? You know, it, it could be, you know, I would find something. If I'm working with somebody and I need, you know, I'm saying, I'm going to make an excuse to take them out to talk about something, you know, work-related or yeah. something or, or or whatever. You know, I, um, um, so people are going to have a hard time thinking you want them in heaven if you've never had them to your house. <laughs> and what I'm saying there is, is, engaging and taking the time whether you know it's it's a lunch with somebody and just at, you know you find out more about the person uh, outside of work you can you can learn a lot you can learn a lot and um, that's what I do and and it's amazing people want to talk about this it's not like oh my gosh I'm going to offend them it it's how I deliver it you know, am I really interested in them or am I always looking at my watch or looking past them or whatever? So it's once I engage with the secular part of their life, that can lead. I, I have earned the right to talk about spiritual things. And, and a lot of times, you know, um, uh, I, I'll say, hey, I saw you at chapel the other day. You know, or whatever, like on a football team or something like that, or you know, and then, uh, it, you know, and you're you're with these guys all the time, so you ju- you just start to find out more about their life. And I, I try to go into the the secular part of their life to open up the doors to the the, the spiritual part, and and where that would lead, you know, uh, and it just varies. God. Every time I go in, Jim, to a meeting or something like that, and I don't know the content of these the people's uh, faith background, 
I'm asking God as I'm walking in, and I think Bill Hybels mentioned this, is, is that I call them 9-11 prayers, 9 prayers, and I'm just saying, God, open up a door if this is what it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and he does. A lot of times he does, or it's not, it, 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 it's not open. So I'm, one of the things that I have to be is intentional. Do I care about my coworker enough more than just the bottom line of business? Well, you know, that's interesting. Um, Heibel's talked about forevers are at stake. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned him earlier. And, you know, I heard another guy once say, they don't care how much you know unless they know or until they know how much you care. So mm-hmm. what I'm hearing mm-hmm. you say mm-hmm. is before a man starts asking the questions, he needs to answer one for himself, which is, do I care about this guy? Mm-hmm. Am I just trying to get a notch in the, my gun? You know, mm-hmm. am I trying to get a, a you know, a carve a little uh, notch in my belt? You know, am I trying to win him to heaven so I can brag to my buddies? Mm-hmm. Or do I care about this guy? Do I care about his marriage? Do I care about the father he's going to be? And do I realize that without Jesus, this guy's probably going to fall short? Yeah. I mean, he will fall short at the end of his life for sure, mm-hmm. but his life will fall short. I mean, is that the right question? Absolutely. You know, and. It's kind of like, what kind of investment am I going to invest in this person? How much do I care? And I take it like, this is what I think we have to do as people, believers and faith followers of Jesus, is to have the perspective he did, that one person matters. You know, take it one at a time. Invest in that person, whatever it is. And so... In, in Luke 15, we talk about the shepherd and the 99, the 100 sheep, and then one was lost. Well, he left the 99 to go find the one, okay? The 99 were okay, but he had one lost sheep. In, in the economics of that, it wouldn't be a big deal, Yeah. okay? But on the spiritual level, that one person, this, this shepherd, so the, the metaphor here is that it is uh, one person matters to God. Okay, and so does that matter to me as an individual? If I'm the shepherd, so to speak, and I've lost one of my sheep or whatever, is it important? It is to God. God has an eternal perspective. Everyone is important. And so do I have that? And then the shepherd goes out and and it says he looked for the sheep, the lost sheep, until he found it. It wasn't like he just kind of called out like you would your dog and say, hey, come on, boy, you know, and yeah. here he comes. No, he went until he found it. It could be, it, it could take a long time. It's a process. Yes. It's a process. It's not an event necessarily. An event can be something as a result of processing, but that's that's the thing that we need to understand is that just because we – share the gospel that does not mean you know how many times have i had to share the gospel with this guy i'm meeting on normally on thursdays it's incredible um for over a year once a week i've been with this guy you know for hour and a half so you know the other day i got to lead someone to christ and it was you know i the his son has done all the work so evangelism mm. is a process, okay? 
And it's an investment on my part. What am I, what am I going to do? If the guy, like you mentioned, the guy has you know a son and they're having little issues, well, okay, I've got a son your age. Why don't we go camping, you know, or fishing or something that we do? So there's going to be an investment to some extent, you know, and am I willing, does that person's soul mean anything to me? You know, that's interesting. We have a, an acrostic for our men called walking. Mm-hmm. It's like seven steps of discipleship, you know, worship God, approach God in prayer, uh, love other believers in fellowship, know the word of God, invest in God's, invest fiscally mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. God's kingdom. Uh, and then the last one is give your life to the gospel. But the N is nurturing, nurturing others in the gospel. And mm-hmm. so what I'm saying there and what I hear you saying is there is an event there is an event that happens when you give your life to Christ and you mm-hmm. cross over, but most of evangelism is a process. Absolutely. It's a process. So I'm going to go back and ask another question mm-hmm. about questions. What is the most important question I can ask myself before I share my faith? Oh, wow. That's a great one. What can I ask myself? Do I care? Well, because a lot of guys don't ever share their faith. Mm-hmm. A lot of other guys are anonymous spiritually. Mm-hmm. This is this tragedy. I call it the sin of anonymity. Mm-hmm. Many guys go to work day after day, go to church year after year, and nobody knows anything about their faith or about their faith. They don't share, but Jesus said, you are the light, you are the salt, and Jesus said your reward is great when you're persecuted for your faith. Mm-hmm. So the greatest question a guy can ask is, do I care? Do I care? Uh, and I think the reason people don't share is maybe they're not in the word because I don't have that perspective as God mm-hmm. God has how do I get that perspective hmm. is being in the word okay acting out the word I mean I can read the game plan all day long but until I get out and engage it, it it's just going to be marks on a wall well, it's funny. My college roommate was an, our offensive tackle, and so I I know he blocked harder for me. I was a I was a fullback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he blocked harder for me than the other guy. Mm-hmm. He still did his best every time, but I know there was something extra for me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I don't know. And then there's a, maybe an integrity thing there, but I mean, you know, yeah. that's why quarterbacks. You know, what did uh, one of the quarterbacks had his. Uh, custom made shoes this year. I think it was the I think it was Goff mm-hmm. and he had his offensive line all their pictures and their jersey mm-hmm. numbers on his shoes. Mm-hmm. You know to to say hey, I care about you boys, you care about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so there is this element is do I do I really care and do I understand? Maybe maybe another question would be do I really care about Jesus? Do I care about the gospel because if I really took that in at face value and, and really was sold out to it and looked at the the extreme tragedy if a man does not give his life to Christ that might change the game for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and you know a lot of times we're in Bible studies or we're in stuff like that men's studies groups and, and Sunday school and stuff but again we're getting all this information we need to do something with it mm-hmm. and so to do that I need to do what the Bible is saying it says go out there here, you, ne- you need to understand, I think, two things, really. Uh, one is God's saying, I love you, mm-hmm. okay? The other is an invitation from God, trust me, mm-hmm. okay? 
if I get that, okay, then, and how do I, how do I enforce that? It's in the word of God, because that's where he's saying, I love you and trust me over and over again. And old and new Testament. And when I get that and I understand that and I start to ask God for things that will help me have the same perspective he does, then is God going to do that? Yes. Yes. He's going to do that. He's going to give us opportunities based out of Colossians. He's going to do that. And so so I want to just... I want to trust him. And if I have that perspective, you know, it's like, and God has my highest good. Yeah. Then, then that should give me the confidence to continue it. And, you know, and I don't have to, I don't have to hold back. And that's tough for men, I think, because I know I've been on a two year journey uh, where I've been praying a certain prayer first thing in the morning. I just prayed it this morning and it's understanding that, God is a good, good father, mm-hmm. and that he really does love us and want our best. I don't mm-hmm. know if guys really grasp that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we really, but when we do grasp that, and we realize he has our best intentions in mind, then that can translate to us as parents, as mm-hmm. friends, and I think it's life-changing. I don't, mm-hmm. Why do you think guys struggle with that? I, guys, <laughs> you know. Um, I, that was my answer. Yeah, um, and... Uh, I think, you know, it's just some another thing that God has told us to do that, and sometimes we want that anonymity or whatever that's just, I'm going to do it on my own. Yeah. And it doesn't work that way, you know. Uh, and, you know, the more successful we can get, you know, in the business world or whatever, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it, you know. And then we, we kind of put God on the shelf a little bit, you know, uh, and that can be dangerous. Yeah. And uh, but God, you know, in Matthew six thirty three, it says um, he says, uh, seek the kingdom of God. And all his righteousness. And, you know, when we do that, it goes on and says, then all these other things will be added unto you. Yeah. So if I'm looking for God's kingdom, then the temporal, if I'm focusing on the eternal then the temporal, the temporal is thrown in. Yes. If I focus on the temporal, then I lose them both. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's that. Once you grasp that, it, you know, there's going to be fight. Okay, you're going to have you're going to have the satanic force. You can, I mean, it, you know, if people don't believe that there's a, a devil. Hey, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know that's exactly you know that elk on. didn't want your wife to believe she was around with a gun either yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. he learned that the hard way yeah right yeah. yeah yeah and so so it's um it's it's imperative for us as a as a, as a church christ followers to engage and how you get over that fear and get confidence is knowing what those people are going to ask then you will have no you will have no fear of engaging. You will know how to transition into spiritual conversation because they will let you know. It is yeah. so amazing because people are asking the same questions. They are hungry 
for answers. People say, oh, they're not going to want to do that, and I don't want to be pushy. No, I don't want you to be pushy. I want you to pray for them, and then I want you to engage them and watch what happens. God will open the door. Oh, gosh. And it's, you know, it's, almost and you'll boring. Be it's almost boring how the questions are all the same. Yeah. And, you know, here's another fear that people have. And I tell people this all the time. I actually say this. I don't have all the answers. I'm not God. I don't know why a five-year-old mm-hmm. boy gets cancer and dies two mm-hmm. months later. I don't know that. I don't mm-hmm. have. I don't. I can't. I don't know everything. And so I would just tell people it's okay to say, you know what? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'll go ask around and try to come up with an answer. You don't have to. In fact, I think sometimes I don't know. Is it a turnoff of the Bible know-it-all? Is it? I mean, is that a, is that an element of pride that we need to be careful of as oh, yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Because then you start. What What do you start doing? Is saying, "Hey, I'm better than you." I hate it when people say, man, I, I would like to be like you. I, and I go, no, 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 no. I no, failed no. you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, guys, I have to learn this. It's part of my journey. Yeah. Okay. God will take you wherever you're at. He took me, you know, a football player, you know, that, you know, what my job was was to open holes and stuff. I mean, if he can take me, he can take anybody. And it's just the difference that I had. I had a, you know, a change of direction of not just being a football player and sharing my testimony and people coming to Christ, but I wanted to engage with people. Most people come to faith not through an event or through, you know, um, confrontation. It's through relationship. Mm. And you'll see that in the scriptures over and over and over again. You see that in the book of Acts. You see that everywhere. And so, so it is important for me, I had to change my perspective. I had to get in the Word. As I started getting the Word, I cannot not be in the Word daily. Yeah, agreed. It's, it's, I mean, if I, if I am sometimes, you know, if, if, if I am, I feel like I'm naked. You know, I'm not, I don't have certain You're clothing. not equipped. I'm not equipped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's not a big deal. It's, it's a fun deal. It's a, it's, a, it's a confidence deal. It helps me. It helps me. When I learn how to answer questions, I become confident. Yeah, for sure. And no longer is there fear. When I am confident, there is no fear. And that's what happens. And, and through prayer, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm you know, the prayer and, and, uh, and the study is important. So what one, along the same topic of, of being confident, being prepared, getting a defense ready, asking the right questions, if you were to tell our guys one thing to do, what would it be? One thing to do? Okay. Like what's the thing? What would you... What would you equip them with? What one thing would you want to leave with them? I would say, that's a great question, Jim. Um, I would just say, this is what comes to me, okay? When I'm at the Bema seat, okay, and God asks me, what would you do with my son? What am I going to say? So I'm going to ask these, what I would say to these men, what are you doing with this son? Mm. Yeah. And that's a great thing. That's a great question to ask a guy when you're talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. When you die and get to heaven, what are you going to say when he asks you, what did you do with my son? Mm-hmm. 
That's a that's a huge question. So what what is what is one question that I should ask a friend of mine who is not a Christian to engage him in conversation? Depending on where he is, I, I go. You know, we've been friends for a while, and you know, you know that I go to church, okay? But what's your spiritual background? What's your journey? Super non-threatening. Non-threatening. Yeah. It's so it's so easy to do, but I think with men we we don't like to talk about our fear. Yeah. We don't like to talk about it because we think that we're weak. Yeah. And I, I don't think that that's weakness at all. I think fear we acknowledge fear and push through it. I guess what that becomes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. courage. Courage. So, hey man, uh, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming oh, on our show. Thank you, Jim. Uh, it That's... went way too fast. But, guys, uh, those of you guys uh, reading uh, or listening to us right now, hey, we always end every episode with a boots on the ground moment. This is an action step. This is a moment where we ask you to do something about what you've heard. Don't just hear about this and walk away. We want you to do something about it. And here's what I want you to do, guys. Here's your boots on the ground moment. This will be uh, published also in our equipping blast. If you have not received that, go to the website. You can get a free PDF uh, version of my field guide, which is our bathroom book for men. And we'll add you to our equipping blast. And so do that. We'll get you get this thing. And, the, and we'll also post it on our Men in the Arena Facebook forum. And here's the question. Here's the boots on the ground moment, guys. I want you to pick one of your buddies that is not spiritually where they need to be. And I want you to ask them this question. Hey, bro, tell me about your spiritual journey. Just ask him that question and trust God for what happens next. All right, guys. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Men in Arena podcast. And uh, God, we guys, we have some amazing resources to help you in your journey to become the best version of you. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you download our free Men in the Arena app. You may have to search The Great Hunt for God. We're still in transition. Uh, but check that out. It's got all of our resources. It unlocks the world of the Men in the Arena. Join our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. For those of you who do not do Facebook, by March 1st, right around there, we're going to have a brand new forum that'll come off of our website that'll be email-based. You're going to love it. So, guys, until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Ask the questions. Grind it out and be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at meninarena.org. Simply give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide, a bathroom book for men. It's a daily study of manly words in the Bible explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.